The first 49ers wake up of December begins with a rousing win over the Philadelphia Eagles to mourn the death of the Eagles Super Bowl uh, aspirations. Larry has chosen to wear green today to lay them down in their graves. Look, we're not going that far, but Larry, what a win for the 49ers. As big of a statement as Kyle Shanahan's ever seen his team make in the regular season. Huge win for the Niners on the road. It wasn't close. Uh, they dominated this game. Um, they they got dominated in the first quarter, and they came back, and they really put it on the Eagles. And by the end, uh, it was a very one-sided game, and, and well, there's all kinds of heroes in a game like this. But at the top of the list, to me, are three, which would be Debo, um, Purdy, and the young DBs, the coverage on the back end was spectacular. Mooney Ward, Demo Lenore, who had the thunderous hit at the end there on Swift to uh, punctuate the, the victory. And then, of course, Ambry Thomas. Um, you know, the 49ers have injected some youth in their secondary, and they went up against the top two, you know, two of the top wide receivers in the game, probably the best tandem going right now. And um, they didn't shut them down. Those guys both had good numbers, but overall they, you know, they bent, but they didn't break. They made plays in the red zone. Very impressive by the 49er coverage team. And then Debo's a primetime player and Brock Purdy is that guy uh, that nobody wants to admit that he is. And the Niners are, are one, I guess if they can win, they can run the table and, and somebody can knock off Philadelphia um, possibly the road to Vegas comes through Levi's. It ain't over till it's over and it ain't over yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. An awful lot can happen to the good and the bad. That's how much we got more than a month of football left here. So lots to do, but man, everybody had this game circled, whether you even root for the 49ers or Eagles doesn't matter. You saw this game come out in the regular season and you thought, "Woo, that's going to be a big one. And it's set up early where it looked like it was going to be Philadelphia setting the tone and grabbing a lead and making the 49ers play catch up from way behind, but way behind never became way behind Larry. It was only six to nothing and field goals officially get you closer to, to, to losing than they do winning in a game of this magnitude. Um, by the way, there's a new element to where if I put my thumb up, it like turns into a thumb emoji thing on the screen. Did you just see that? It was weird. No, do it again. Uh, I'm a, I think that a thumb came up or so, something happened. Something I froze for a second. Anyways, I guess the whole <laughs> point was the 49ers, you know, I wouldn't say they came from way behind, but they did play a little come from behind football. You know, all the boxes that you want to see a team check. That, that was the worst opening quarter of Kyle Shanahan's entire head coaching life, Larry. I mean, it could not have gone worse, but for the scoreboard, not tilting all the way to 14 to nothing. It's a great point. I mean, you know, Philly dominated that first quarter, but they were only up six, nothing, um, you know, and, and, you know, one thing that I thought was surprising though, is, you know, well, first of all, credit the guys who kept them afloat in that first quarter. Right. So Philly gets a long drive on the first drive. They get down to the red zone. It's third and seven from the eight Hertz goes to AJ Brown on the back shoulder and Mooney Ward was all over it, all over it. Um, and he also had the big hit on um, on Gainwell on the first play of the drive. So the drive starts with a monster hit by Mooney Ward, and it ends because 
Mooney Ward had blanketed coverage on A.J. Brown and got the PBU. And what I loved about the game was just that the officials let him play. It's a big game. These are physical teams. They're good teams. Um, they didn't just, you know, every close contact, they didn't just grab the flag. I like that. Let them, let them decide it on the field. I'd rather, I'd rather the officials be a little too soft uh, with the penalties than a little too aggressive. Don't inject yourself. They didn't in this game. But Mooney Ward, I thought, was absolutely huge on that first drive. And then on the second drive, you know, uh, they get down to second and five from the 13-yard line. And once again, I mean, I can say Javon Kinlaw, and it was Javon Kinlaw because he sacked Hertz, who literally went in figure eights and then fell down at his feet. And Javon got the easiest sack that he'd had in a long time. And by the way, it was his first sack in two years, yeah, maybe longer. Yeah, since um, 2020, so three. Yeah, I mean, un- unbelievable. I mean, you know, so Kinlaw's not a pass rusher. We all know that he's more of an absorb blocks kind of a guy. But he was hustling back there, and he gets credit with the sack. Um, but really, we all know that was a coverage sack because Jalen Hurts dropped back to pass, and he had plenty of time. And just nobody was open. So the coverage on that second and five play led to a third and 21. And then the Niners played very poised and smart football, knowing exactly where the sticks were. They knew they're down in distance really well in this game. And they held Gainwell to eight yards on third and 21 and, and forced a field goal. Um, and and to me, if, they, if you go down 14 nothing, you're in a hole on the road and you're in trouble. A lot of trouble. Yeah, you go down six nothing, um, and they're dominating the time of possession twelve minutes to one minute. You're still fine. You're almost and, winning that game theoretically in my mind. Like yeah, at that point, you have middle edge. Yeah. So, you know, they've already squandered a couple of drives, settling for field goals. Your drives didn't go anywhere, but we still don't know what you're about to do. So, I mean, it was just. It was one of those games that it got away from the Niners early, but it didn't get far away from them, and they stayed in striking distance. And when it was all said and done, you talk about poise. I thought Debo Samuel scored the most important touchdown, the loudest answer touchdown of his career. After the Paul Blart mall, mall cop interference that we had, and we'll talk an awful lot about the security guard. There's the thumb thing that, that just happened. You see it? See that happening? You don't, you don't, with like a white thumb that came up on the, on the screen. Do it again. I don't, I don't know if I can just do it again. It happened accidentally. Anyway. So, um, I don't know. I put out a video, Larry, about sure. uh, something happened. Something happened. I like it froze for a second there. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Um, something happened that could have rattled the Niners. The green law ejection was ridiculous. Bold face on its surface, ridiculous. I still got Philadelphia fans after this video that I made calling this guy a freaking meatball, get the hell off the field. They're like, oh, you're always whining about something. No, 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 no. Philadelphia, here's what you get to do today. You get to sit down and shut up. That's it. That's it. You, there's nothing to say. You can't point. You can't say, oh, congratulations on your December Super Bowl to anyone or anything. You got eviscerated. The Niners came there and they banged your moms. Like that's oh. how loud oh. they won that oh. game. Not since, oh. not, not since Pat Burles oh. walking around Philadelphia banging everybody's mom. Oh. I mean, Debo Samuel just scored another touchdown and banged another mom in Philadelphia. Oh. That is how loud the 49ers won this game. Welcome so, to welcome to 49ers at night. 
Yeah, uh, good morning, everyone. Oh, we're working. Way, we're working blue. Look, we're we're seeing images. We're we're throwing. We're banging moms. We're. Uh, I mean, it's it's off the rails. The 49ers won that. We're not game. even ten minutes into this thing, and moms have been banged. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, start start with your best material. I've always said. <laughs> I mean, moms. Every. I mean, we're we're I mean, Mother's Day wasn't that long ago either. I mean, it's just. Oh, what I'll I tell say? you what was long for mom, Debo Samuel. And this three touchdowns, Larry, first of all, that touchdown that he scored right after the mall, the 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 the, the mall cop the first energized, one. Energ, energized the Eagles for the you know the Jalen Hurts brotherly shove. So they got a touchdown. And then all of a sudden Debo goes on that 48 yard i'm going to just shake an eagle right off of me you thought you had me tackled what you're going to see is me take this to the house oh that he dominated that whole series too damon cuz he had the kickoff return so i i really love debo on the kickoff return it's not necessarily for every yard that he gets it's for the way that he does it and the confidence that he does it and the energy that he has it's just it's a fueling type situation watching him run with confidence and strength through a defense or on special teams. So he comes out, he has, you know, the kickoff return, whatever their first and 10 on the 23 Cox sacks uh, Purdy on the first play. And you're thinking, Oh my God, they're going backwards again. This is looking really, really bad. The momentum you feel shifted. The crowd's into it. Greenlaw has been ejected. Uh, Big Dom is now walking out with his red neck. Um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they go Debo and, and, you know, one thing about the Eagles is the Eagles on paper were one of the NFL's best teams at limiting yards after the catch. And then for Debo just to gash him and run right through him to the point where Seth Joyner is on the radio this morning in Philly, just ripping Philly's DBs as, as poor tacklers. And they were in this game. He just ran right through them. Um, and it was a major shift in the momentum. And you look up and you're like, whoa, 28-13, this thing. And that's when he started waving goodbye, I believe, wasn't it? Or was it was it not till the Iuke? Look, it was worse than that. The or Eagles the Juwan, maybe. The Eagles were getting booed off the field at halftime, Larry. I mean, they're, I, I is love that Patrick. customary? I mean, is that the way they treat their team? This team went to the Super Bowl. They're 10-1. and one. There, it, it's it, at halftime. It's anybody's ball game. Yeah, I mean, it was a hard fought first half. It was fourteen six. Look, it wasn't like it was twenty eight three. Philadelphia fans turn on their own faster than I mean, any other fan base in America. I mean, they walked out of that game seven loss against the Arizona Diamondbacks, telling every single Philadelphia Philly to go. You know, I I, I won't I won't work season all season desist. For you. Exactly. I mean, it, it's 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 a city that is full of sports venom. And if you think that they handle winning poorly, wait until you see them lose. And there's an awful lot of that. No one look at it this way. Philly fans love to point to, you know, cry more, whine more. It's the biggest city of whining crybabies after a big loss you're going to find in sports. So Philadelphia Put a Geno's in this side of your mouth, a Pat's in that side of your mouth. Realize both of those cheesesteaks are tourist traps and they suck and take the loss. And we're not even going to do the show where we 
try to re-examine what happened in the NFC title game because we all know now that show isn't even necessary. We need Brock one Purdy. highlight. We do need one highlight. We got a highlight. Show something. Yes, here we go. Hit this with a highlight. Brian oh, he's this, happy. This this guy here he is. You know, a real professional football team with real professional men take a loss. Instead, they cried about it. Oh, if our quarterback wasn't hurt, if you would have freaking blocked for him, he would have been hurt. You suck. You're not man enough to admit it. Now you're going to come back here and you're going to get your ass kicked again. And we're going to show you how men play. Not like those little whiners from the West Coast who drink their little wine with their pickies up and act like you're so superior. Guess what? This is silly. You're going to lose. You suck. Then guess what? 42 19. <laughs> uh, you gotta love the you gotta love the authentic Philly fan. Look, I'm sure that guy goes home and he kisses both of his children on the head, and and is sure a great, he's a normal regular guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. But as a sports fan, he's delusional, and he has attached <laughs> so much of his self worth to his football team doing anything that today that guy might no longer be with us. That guy <laughs> might have jumped off some building or something last night. Pinky in the air. Pinky up your ass. That's how bad you got handled last night. Here we I'm go. <laughs> Pinky's up for Philly. Oh, dude, you know what? Big Mac, yeah. 8675. Pinky's up for Philly. Let me enjoy Woo! this coffee right here, Larry. We do a little sip of the day. This is oh, little, little pinkies up. Mm. White wine. I'm going to go double pinkies. I'm, double pinkies up. Double oh. pinkies for that guy. I Look, guarantee you a loud horn ends that guy's work day. I guarantee you. <laughs> Look at it this way. He doesn't even live in Philadelphia. He's from South Jersey. You can just tell. You can just tell. Um, Larry, it was a dominating, yes. absolute dominating game for the 49ers. I mean, really, one of the loudest statements Kyle Shanahan's team's ever been allowed to make in a regular season. It's one of the loudest statement games that has been made in the NFL all season by any team, any franchise. And, you know, we're not some goofy, they're about to be anointed as Super Bowl champion, Yahoo, bunch of homers, morning show. That's not what 49ers Wake Up is about. 49ers Wake Up tries to frame things properly and in, in, in reality. And the reality is that this game could be played back in Philadelphia, and maybe the Niners could lose that game. Because that's what the NFL yeah. is. That's what the NFL is. The day, the day that you play your best football means nothing to tomorrow means absolutely nothing to tomorrow. I mean, what could have decided what what got decided yesterday? The no. only thing that really got decided was that the 49ers, if they have to go back to Philly, will roll in with swagger instead of oh shucks, I don't know if we can get it done. I mean, That's I don't what think they, they rolled in with an awful lot of that to begin with. Like, I just don't think that the 49ers function or think like that. It's not who Kyle Shanahan allows them to be. And they all look, you don't have to tell a football team it's good. They know. Like, you don't have to tell a football team when it's bad either. They, they know. And this team knows. And I think the entire NFL knows. And now the national media knows. And all of Brock's detractors know now that when we sit around talking, about the small handful of teams that can actually really become Super Bowl champions. So this, you know, let's say the Houston Texans are in the playoffs. Great. They're not going to the Super Bowl. They're not ready yet, you know, but it'd be great for them if they get there to be super story. But that's as good as that's where that story tops out, right? 
Well, for this year, right. they're, they're building. Yeah, I mean, they're right. in their infancy. They're they're the impressive preschooler. Exactly. So th- there are still a small handful of teams that can actually win a Super Bowl, and the 49ers are right in the middle of that handful. You know, Cowboys. I don't know if they're in the middle. I think the 49ers are the, are the top team in the league. Well, I mean, in and the middle. I think everybody yeah. knows it. When it's all yeah. said and done, when the Niners bring their game, they're the t- they are the best team in the league. Um, and you saw it yesterday. I mean, Eagles are cut the lead to 21-13 on the after, and, and Greenlaw gets ejected with Big Dom, even though the security guy put his hands on Greenlaw first. And the Niners get it back on their 23. And I thought the, one of the biggest plays of the game was the third and seven. So, you know, Fletcher Cox stuffs, uh, you know, sacks the quarterback on first down. CMC runs for five on second and 12. So they get the third and seven. And Purdy threw a really nice timed comeback route to Brandon Ayuk for a first down against Darius Slay. And it just felt like the Niners took a breath. The next play, CMC rumbles for 16 yards. And the play after that, Purdy goes to Debo for 48, and he goes untouched through the middle of uh, Philly's defense. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, you look up and it's 28 13. I mean, and the Niners took control of this thing. But I, I, if you said what was the key to victory, I think it was two things Brock Purdy playing with a ton of poise in that environment, that atmosphere, very difficult to do. Very difficult to do for a 23 year old quarterback to play as mistake free football as that guy played for the most part. Um, very difficult to do. I think that has to be applauded. That's one. Number two, on defense, the 49ers, as a defensive unit, kept Philly in third and long a lot of the day. I mean, I didn't look exactly how the third downs broke down, but we didn't see a ton of the tush push because the Niners won on first and second down, and they got into a lot of third and five, third and six. Heck, we saw them punt in a situation where I thought they would go for it. Let that um, late fourth and two. I was surprised. It was, that's the thing. I guess it wasn't even that late, and he just didn't want to give the Niners the ball back on their own side of the field. But I even got stop him on D. I got a text from John Kincaid, who is a Philadelphia sports talk show host, who came on my channel last week, Larry, and and he said it, he's like, I can't believe Sirianni didn't go for it right there, and he basically told his entire team that everything we're doing all season long that has worked for us, we don't think can work today. And that was like a, a message that the Eagles probably didn't take very well on their own sideline. And that's when they realized, yeah, we're just not going to get this done today. And look, you, you talked about third down. The uh, Niners were eight of 11. Didn't feel like an eight of 11 day on third down for the Niners, but they were, and the Eagles were eight of 15. You know, there's a lot of, there's that's a, a great of- number for the 49ers for Brock Purdy. I mean, that's the quarterback down, yeah. third down. What do you do on third down? Eight of 11 against the best team in the league in their joint uh, with all the pressure and everything that goes into it. Damon, I think we also got to credit Kyle Shanahan here because, um, you know, the Niners are down 6 nothing. They get the ball back in that third possession. They get down to third and goal from the two. And you're thinking they're going to have to settle for a field goal here. And I thought that play design on the touchdown to Iuke was just awesome. I mean, one, it was great chemistry, a great connection by Iuke and Purdy. Purdy threw it to a spot. Iuke got to that spot and touchdown Niners. But 
you know, I believe you had a three wide receivers bunch to the right. You had a play action bootleg. You had the orbit motion with Debo moving away from, you know, moving from left to right. And you had Ayuk in the back. And they also had Jennings up front. And it was like they were worried about they were worried about Debo. They were worried about Purdy running. They were worried about the quicker, quick underneath route to Jennings. And nobody covered the best receiver going right now. And he was in the back of the end zone and just a perfect timing route. There was really nobody there. Um, great throw. Led him perfectly. Great diving catch. The Eagles challenge said it wasn't a catch, but replay uh, made it stand up. Ayuk did a great design. job getting his hand underneath that ball because it did move a little. It did skid across the ground as he was going down to the ground. But, yeah. the, but that was, angle, the design on that one was so unique because you have a play-action bootleg and you got the orbit motion and you've got all kinds of eye candy pre-snap and there's all kinds of things going on there. You got the quarterback moving. You got Jennings with the quick underneath route. And it's like you just put tons of pressure right at the snap on Philly's defense and they folded right there. So that I thought that was just a absolute pull it out of your back pocket at the perfect spot right there in third and goal. Maybe the call of the game. Sometimes, you know, to, to really find out what happened in the game, you got to look deeper than the numbers show. And you got to find what a lot of people refer to as hidden yardage. Very rarely is hidden yardage right there in a rushing total. But that, to me, is where so much of the difference in this game was, Larry. I mean, the Eagles, one of their calling cards is how well they run the ball. 46 rushing yards for the Eagles yesterday. 46. That's it. 46 in a game that they were leading. So, I mean, when you're up, and they were only up, you know, six, but still, that's up. And that means you start running the ball. You're not as aggressive. You kind of go into what you do, and you, you know, you get out of the these are the special pages of the playbook to go back to the, okay, this is our meat and potato pages of the playbook. There was no meat and potatoes for the Eagles yesterday. They couldn't get anyone going on the ground, Jalen Hurts included. And I mean, the 49ers outrushed the Eagles 146 to 46 yards. Like I said, hidden yardage doesn't usually mean rushing total, but a hundred, I had no idea, didn't think, would never even presume that the 49ers are going to outrun the Eagles by a hundred yards at Lincoln Financial Field, while Brock Purdy was also throwing for over 300 yards, four touchdowns. Debo Samuel was scoring three different times, and again, just banging moms. And it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was as scary as the 49ers have looked all year. They're 42 points in three quarters, Larry. Well, and not only that, I mean, the Niners pulled away with 14 in the fourth. So, I mean, it, it wasn't like this game wasn't close. And from the outset, the Eagles led 6 nothing at the end of the first quarter. It was an eight-point game at the half. The Eagles lost balance in this game. They had 45 passes and 18 runs. And they ran for 2.6 a carry. Go back and look at their box scores this year. They've been holding teams to 2.6 a carry and running for like seven a carry. I mean, DeAndre Swift was totally neutralized. He had six carries. He ran for 2.2 a carry. Gainwell, who's burned the Niners quite a bit in the past, was, you know, he had some nice catches. It's a really good backup running back, man. Yeah, he is. But I mean, 2.5 a carry. 
Uh, Boston Scott, two yards in his one carry. You know, so they didn't, nobody ran the ball effectively at all, but they didn't commit to the run either. You know, I think if there's one thing, if you're going to beat the 49ers, you got to commit to the run. And they didn't. They came out throwing the ball um, and felt like the Niners, that was their advantage. And the Niner pasty stood up. I mean, the, the coverage on the back end was spectacular. I mean, let's be honest. Four weeks ago, two of the top three tacklers of the 49ers weren't even on the field. Uh, Jair Brown led the Niners with seven tackles. Greenlaw was second. He would have been first if he hadn't been ejected. Ambry Thomas was uh, technically second with six tackles, and he had three of the Niners' 11 passes defensed. So, I mean, Ambry and Jair on the back end played really solid football on the road as very young players. I mean, Brown's a freaking rookie, and Ambry is, you know, has what, half dozen starts to his name? I mean, he has barely played in his career. So, I mean, those are two young talented defensive backs that stood up in the moment that to me there was one thing that that i'm excited to talk to wilkes about this week is how he felt his coverage unit stood up on the back end i mean if you look at those numbers ag brown was eight for 114 and Devonte was nine for 96 so it wasn't like they were shut down but it was on 24 targets i mean they went at those guys a lot you know, so they caught 17 and they and they didn't catch seven. So the, not bad numbers. And, and it seemed like when Hertz did drop back to pass, there were multiple times where there just nothing was that would nobody was open. So that's well, a I mean, huge if, you know good, Cincinnati. if you want to know how good the secondary played for the 49ers, just watch all that time that Jalen Hurts had in the pocket. And and I'm going to tell you right now, every single zoom in on Lane Johnson, he's got a handful of jerseys. I don't think that there's any offensive lineman that is allowed to false start and hold as often as Lane Johnson seems to get away with it. But no complaints, right? They he's did. awesome, though, man. He, he's, he's did really you see that play where he just ragdolled Bosa at the point of attack? I mean, yeah, it was he, just... He's, he's a really a good tackle. He's a really good tackle. And like all really good tackles, you get away with a little bit of murder on your way to the Hall of Fame one day. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of part of the position. And but the 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 time that Hurts had without him really even scrambling to extend that time. I mean, he is just sitting there like bouncing, just bouncing in the pocket, just waiting for something to pop open. And nothing comes open. And now, okay, it's the Niners, so I got to move a little here. I got to move around a little bit. And he moves to his second location, and now he's kind of bouncing over there, just scanning the field. He's on his, you know, there's only four guys in the pattern, yet he's on his sixth read. I mean, he's looking anywhere to go with the ball, and there's nowhere to go with the ball. And that's a coverage sack. That is coverage. That is really good secondary play. And there is a a clock of diminishing returns that Jalen Hurts did not have ticking in his head. And this is why he does take a lot of sacks because there's a certain point where he has kept that play alive long enough to his advantage, but then the clock of diminishing returns comes in and all of a sudden the advantage is very much on the defense and you don't have anywhere to go with the ball. You're not going to just throw the ball away, which means you might put it into a little bit of a trouble area and or 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 Javon Kinlaw is going to fall down on top of you, which he did twice yesterday. So um, I, I wouldn't even say it was a great day for the 49ers defensive line. They got their jobs done and they maintained discipline. They didn't give Hurts 
the escape hatch. And that might have been the best part of Kasurik's game plan up front, Larry. The they es- rushed as one. The escape hatch, which Jalen Hurts lives off of, really wasn't there for the taking in any one dramatic play or fashion. Sure, he got away a couple of times. That's what he does. But it wasn't a day of, oh, he's got nowhere to go, so here's Michael Vick and his legs, and you're in trouble. It wasn't that. It, w- it wasn't that at all. Now, three sacks, nine hits on the quarterback. Uh, that, that you know, is, I would say exactly the minimum of what they were hoping for. They got at least that. That was good. But the best thing, and Bosa said it early in the week, he said the key in this game is going to be for us to rush as one. In other words, you can't play tons of games. You can't play all kinds of looping stunts and twists. You got to kind of keep them hemmed in. You can't give them an avenue to run. They didn't. Right. I a mean, for the most part. Patch. You, yeah, I mean, you, he, a, you vacate a spot. That's where Hertz is going to go. Well, and, and and he he did move at times, right? He ran seven times for 20 yards. He had the tush push touchdown, but he averaged two nine a carry. So I mean that that's this guy can average fifteen yards a carry. Um, you know, he, he when he gets out, he can burn you for huge swaths of, of grass. So I mean he they he didn't. So that to me, I thought the defensive line's uh defending of Hertz was was really, really good because we know what he potentially could do. I also think there there's one aspect of this game that we're not talking about that needs to be talked about. The 49ers, you could say, if you wanted to, disrespected the Eagles last year. And to me, I didn't think of it as disrespect. The Eagles, I know, took, took it that way. I took it as the 49ers really believed they had a damn good team and a very good chance to win that game. The Niners were not coming to Philly last year to uh, just try to be impressive. They they came to Philly to win that game and felt like it was taken away from them. Then they then they didn't acknowledge Philly. They really kind of pointed to themselves inwardly and said, "Hey, we lost our guy," and so and so so on and so forth. And Philly took that as huge disrespect. The Niners weren't going to be able to really serve their message and stay true to, you know, what they've been unless they put one on Philly. If they lost this game, Philly would be like, quit your whining. If the Niners won a close game because of a play here or play there, it would be like, yeah, okay, you got us this time, but you'll be back uh, for round two. But now the way the Niners reacted to last year's loss kind of starts to make a lot more sense. They're a whole lot better. Well, you know? look, everyone, a whole lot better. everyone is beginning to realize what they've known all along, that Brock Purdy is a game-changing talent. I mean, a lot, people, a lot of people don't want to admit that still. They say, well, he's just a system guy, and he's in the right place at the right time, and that's all he is. Well, it doesn't matter because there's nowhere else he needs to be. All he needs to be is right here playing for the Niners, and the Niners, when he plays that efficiently, start drifting into the, into the lane of, I don't think anyone's going to beat them. I mean, it, it just, Every, you know, a lot of times this is what happens. So Damon, when the, 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 the com, the prevailing wisdom is that you're not that good. And then suddenly you are good. There's initial pushback. Joe Montana, Niner, older Niner fans remember this. Well, Joe Montana won a super bowl. And yet in 1984, he's being questioned as, yeah, but there's Marino's so much better. And all the talk going into Super Bowl twenty or nineteen was, yeah, Joe Montana is a nice little story, but he ain't Dan Marino. 
And because you look at Marino, he's six four. Look at Marino. Look at this arm. Look at this release. Look at these stats. Marino, Marino, Marino. And look, Marino. And, for those of you who did not see him, weren't old enough to know. He, he was, was the prototype. You would have yeah. taken Dan Marino over Joe Montana just based on a throwing session. I mean, it was remarkable. Was Mahomes and Allen and Herbert all wrapped into one with better release, with an Aaron Rodgers release and Don Shula and killer receivers. And right. so, I mean, he was he was the real deal. Balls my, fired out of his ear hole. Just but boom. I mean, the same thing with Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, and there still were people who were like, yeah, system guy product of the system when joe in the in 82 83 you know he's still being yeah you know he's he's an athletic guy but he's really fortunate to be in walsh's offense and brock purdy's gotten a lot of that yeah he's he's this but you know he's got shanahan and all these weapons but in reality at the end of the day it's it's joe was special tom was special this kid is special now i don't know if he's on special on their level but I think he's good enough to win with. They feel like he's good enough to win with. That's really all that matters at this point. And uh, the kid just played. I mean, when you really think about it, 23 years old on that stage with that pressure in that environment to go in there, throw for 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, pretty damn good stuff. man. I mean, there's a no. I mean, that's pretty much if I had said Friday, guys. Purdy's rolling in. He's throwing for three bills, four touchies, no turnovers, and they're going to route the Eagles. People will be like, what are you, his brother-in-law? You know right, what I mean? Homer. Yeah, you freaking Homer. You Purdy, Stan. Well, guess what? That's what happened. I'm telling you, it was really impressive. We'll get to just the facts of this game, but as your Eagles friends, as your friends who want to dismiss or say something snarky like, oh, congratulations on winning your Super Bowl in December. You just look at them. We'll be back. No, no, you just look at them and you tell them eight yards a play. Eight yards a play. The 49ers average is that, is that the yards uh, per is play. Is that going to shut them up? Eight yards a play, Philly. Eight yards. That means you're getting clucked like a chicken all afternoon long eight yards per play and that is with minus two yards the total offense of the first quarter so for three quarters you got about as physically dominated and embarrassed as football teams are allowed to become in the nfl i mean that is just getting cooked purdy by the way if you want to go well what did he do yards per pass 10.7 the 49ers averaged a first down per pass, 10.7, nearly 11 yards per pass, eight yards per play, outrushed the Eagles by 100 and outscored them 42 to 19. That's one of the biggest ever shut the hell up wins in football in the last four or five years. It really, truly is. So, again, it, you know, when you when you win, say little, when you lose, say even less. It's not in the DNA of Philadelphia to do that. So you're going to have to come back with them at talking points and you can get clever and you can call Dom a meatball. Like I've already had, you can talk about Debo banging moms, which maybe is a little too spicy for some of you. So here's banging a- moms. Welcome here's- to banging moms. Maybe here's- that should be the new name of the show. Maybe not 49er wake up. Just call it banging moms. It's, it's not 40 49ers woke up after banging your mom. 
Well, it doesn't, you know, it's a little clunky, uh, but we can work with it. Streamline it a little bit, but it is. Not Kev, since, can you work it into the title? Uh, not since Gabe Kapler. Or, excuse me. Not, not, hey, Gabe Kapler's got a job, everybody. Gabe Kapler's got a job. Wait, did he? Oh, you didn't see that? He's the new Marlins assistant general manager. Oh, so he'll be saying we need we we need we need more platoons over here. He's gonna be down in South Beach at some place going this the, the the salsa in this taco is so scrumptious. It's transcendent. I I will give this when you throw in the cabbage and the seafood and the seasoning with a little cilantro. I mean, it is all right, all right, Gabe. All fantastic. Right. <laughs> I give I give it a 46. I love it. Not since Pat Burl was walking around Philadelphia banging everybody's mom. As no, but look, all you need to say, and this is appropriate for any and all age groups, no matter where you say it, you can say this on terrestrial radio and no one's gonna get mad. Eight yards per play. Philadelphia, shut up. Not even your security guard could come and rescue you. And I do want to talk about and that. Who's that guy securing, by the way? He well, was literally on the sidelines. He he he, there was a couple there. I, so I'm, when I'm watching the game again, I'm, there was a couple plays where he makes motions to like walking onto the field. I'm not talking about that play. I'm talking about other plays. Like if you go back and watch the game, you'll see Dom inching closer to the field. He thinks he's part of the team, Larry. I mean, he thinks he's on the team. He thinks he's wearing a uniform. He thinks he's a part of winning or losing. And Philadelphia, I guess, look, now here's the thing. I guess he sells T-shirts for autistic kids. I guess there's a lot to like about Dom. I did do a little research on him. Dom, I'm not saying he's the world's biggest, uh, you know, I'm not saying he needs to be locked up. I'm saying, what's he doing on the sideline? Who's Let's he take security? all non-essential. Yeah, I mean, if he's security, isn't he supposed to be wearing a yellow jacket facing the crowd instead exactly. of he's he looked like um like somebody's uncle, like who's think, got sideline passes. Does he think that some 49er or 49er coach is going to come running across the field and just start attacking Sirianni? Like you're not a body man on a president. You don't have to be on his hip at all times. It is kind of ridiculous but he thinks he's special seen probably too many he had an earpiece he's a very large man with an earpiece and he had a very nice eagles hat with an italian flag on the side that's a thing and i you know the italian flag i called him a meatball some people are like damon you can't disparage italians like that oh no yeah you can and your your, your uncle Vinny, your uncle Vinny wants you to grow up and stop being so soft oh my god once again uh, one of the proud sponsors of the krug show the new york style italian sausage we love italians we love italians enough to be able to make fun of them on this show when need (laughs) would need be and dom he ordered one he ordered one like a chicken parm last night we delivered it what is he doing with his feet on the chalk it's just straight up what is he doing with his feet who's he protecting and then forget about where his feet are why are his hands on an opponent seriously What? what are you doing what Why are you doing? Dre Greenlaw. In what world is he allowed to touch Dre Greenlaw under any circumstances? Right. And why you would possibly think that it was an equitable situation to, to throw out the other team's leading tackler in a game of that mag- magnitude and some security guy? They're both on the same level? So the security guy can put his hands on a on a player, but a player can't 
kind of point back and suddenly, I mean, it wasn't like he dropped him with a left or anything. He was pointing and it like bumped into the guy's cheek and nose. It wasn't violence. It wasn't like Dom was hurt at all. So what are we doing here? You're going to kick Greenlaw off the, out of the game. Like he's like Draymond green with his 27th offense. I mean, come on. I know he's a hard hitter, but he's hardly got a history of going at, you know, sideline personnel in the middle right. of games. I've never the seen game- him attack anyone holding it down in distance marker. <laughs> right. I mean, you're going to, you're going to eject the 49ers leading tackler in a game of this magnitude. I mean, if the Niners had come back and, and gagged away the game, I mean, we'd be talking about that right there, that they're, they're leading tackler. I mean, what point of the game did he get ejected? So that was Larry. Now, that was the beginning of the third quarter. And he still wind up leading the Niners in tackles. That's how good Greenlaw was. He was on pace for like a 16-tackle night, and instead he's Dom and him left. Now, a lot of Niners fans are saying that Greenlaw didn't even deserve the penalty. I'll push back on that. We are our reputations. Dre Greenlaw slammed him down. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw's reputation on sideline plays is never going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He did suplex the player a little bit. He drove him to the ground. And again, guys named Dre, guys named Dre coming out of San Francisco, get no benefits of the doubt from officials in either the NBA or the NFL. So I thought that the personal foul was totally, absolutely you know, I was fine with it. No problem at all. But the ejection, uh, come on. I mean, yeah. I just like the NFL. Get off the game. Get stop involved. Stop interjecting yourself into the game. You know, just but that give him a penalty. Give him the penalty. The penalty is even borderline. But to give him the penalty and the ejection is really. That really was uncalled for. And it came from New York, Larry. I mean, that's the thing. It was only on replay did he get ejected. It wasn't an immediate ejection. There wasn't a an official on the field who thought this player's got to get run. Um, that came in from New York. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was really flabbergasted. I've been watching football my entire life, and I've I've never seen a a non-essential member of a sideline affect a game i've 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 never never seen seen, i've never i mean we was watched jacksonville their leading tackler is at foisaid aluakon yeah aluakon there there were fewer people who said his name in the broadcast than knew this guy's name immediately it was like big doms what and then immediately everybody knew his name he told kevin where to go to to dinner and I guess we went to the, the the restaurant that Dom recommended. Again, apparently Dom's a good guy. I mean, <laughs> Dom's a, probably like Dom's a hell of a guy, except he just can't keep his hands off of Dre Greenlaw in the middle of the game. My grandmother would look at him. She'd call him. He's a good eater. Um, and, and, and good eaters know where good restaurants are. And I bet you Dom can point you in a lot of delicious spots. Where do you Wait a second. Uh, our chat is knows Dom Greenlaw. as well, Damon. Our chat knows Dom. G. Martinez is Dom the wannabe. West Coast Kings, just a simple F Dom. There you go. I'm pretty sure what I know what that means. I mean, feed Dom. Dom. Feed Dom. Is that what F Dom stands for? Look, I just, I've never seen, never <laughs> seen. Butthead. Dom thought the link was SeaWorld working as a whale. See, uh, again, we don't need to fat shame. And here's the thing. Someone's like, Dom books bets for Sirianni. 
These are my people. The fat people are my people. I'm one of these people. You can make fun of your own. So oh. uh, Dom's got a couple pounds on me, but look at this, Larry. Get got, off I, the field. You're a security guard. What is it with Philadelphia security guards? It's like Bruce Willis and Unbreakable. I mean, they, they seriously like Philadelphia glorifies and thinks they got superheroes as security guards. I guarantee you this guy goes home and watches Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan and touches himself. He probably sits there with little Jergens and some Kleenex <laughs> looking at this security guard. Welcome, welcome to banging moms. Um, let me just say this. You're it's not interactive. You know, have you ever noticed that they always talk about something and be like, and guess what? Little kids, boys and girls, it's interactive. Everything's now interactive. You don't just watch the all-star game. You vote for who you want uh, the manager to put in the game. It's interactive. Right. Interactive is like the new buzzword that says that everything's a whole freaking tons better. Football is not interactive. Somebody tell Dom. Mike Baker, you two are absolutely on fire this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of a fire report, Larry, how many you got in the room? I've got almost 600 in my little corner of the YouTube world. We're looking at close to 16 bills on this side. There you go. That means the two of us are pulling together nothing short of probably the biggest audience concerning the San Francisco 49ers you're going to find anywhere. And we thank you very much for coming by 49ers Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, it is great to have you here. Hit like, hit subscribe. The channels are growing. The buzz is growing around what we're doing. And the chat is very classy over here, too. We, I mean, Werewolves of Sanger said Dom bangs his own mom. See, we, there you go. That's a bit. There you go. And Marcelino Martinez is banging Dom's mom. All right. There we go. I mean, this show is, is you know, what can you say? What can you what say? Would, what would you say Damon brings to the show, Larry? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's a different kind of a crowd. <laughs> you don't really get this on the radio. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people. Uh, well, where's, uh, where's the, don't you have Annie baby with a, didn't she have pound like a it, pound it, pound it, pound thank you. it. That right there. Oh, yeah, we got that. We, we got that. We absolutely got that. And look, what we also have is the 49ers in Philadelphia Sunday evening officially achieving. Gail says, come on, you two. You guys are better than mom jokes. Are we? Yeah. Are we really better than mom jokes? It's nothing think better about than that. mom jokes. Let's really think about that. You can go back to a cave. You can see some hieroglyphics. And at the end of it, when you decipher it, you can realize, oh, that's a mom joke. Cavemen Irwin, are making mom jokes. Erwin Kwong says Dom's mom's better than Stacy's mom, who I heard has got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, Do you like that song? I have it on my Apple Music. Stacy's mom has got it going on. It's a it's a painfully catchy song. You can't <laughs> you can't deny was awesome. it Fountains of Wayne. Is that who that is? Yes. Yes. Of Wayne. Now that's a good poll. Now that is a deep poll. Polly Mac. Polly Mac. That's a Polly Mac poll right there, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, we wish that Paul is, Mac that is, very, a Paul, that is a Paul Mac right there. Even Paul would be clapping on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready to get to just the facts? Brought to you by Fountains of Wayne. Are you ready, sure. Larry? Yes, absolutely. And we All have right. we have twenty super chats to get to as well. So we All right. probably, well, let's we probably let's get this let's get this show rolling. And uh, enough mom banging and Dom banging. And let's just get, let's start talking some ball here. Okay. Here we go. All First right, here of all, go. Eagles fans 
need to just pipe down an awful lot this morning because when it comes to the rivalry between the 49ers and the Eagles, there really isn't one. The hammer and the rival are not nails. And the Niners improved to 22-14-1 all time against the Eagles, including a 12-6-1 record on the Eagles field. And the 49ers have officially beaten the Eagles in the regular season four of their last six meetings. So Niners got an awful lot of ownage on this Eagles team. Brock We're calling Purdy, the link Levi's East from now on. That's Levi's East. Totally. Uh, Brock Purdy completed 19 of his 27 attempts for 314 yards, four touchdowns. He finished with a passer rating of 48.8, and his touchdown total is now 23 on this season. Not bad for a system quarterback picked with the last pick of the draft, if you don't mind me saying. One thing that we also have to throw in there, Damon, because he completed 23 of his last 29. He went started 0 for 4. So that means after Brock Purdy's 0 for 4 start, Brock Purdy completed almost 80% of his passes against this Eagles vaunted D. It's one thing to have that kind of completion percentage. It's another thing to have that completion percentage tied to an average of over 10 yards per pass. I mean, this guy is hunting big plays and still carrying a completion percentage that is video game-like. So that's so impressive. And, you know, your joke, Larry, about Link being Levi's East – there were more red jerseys in there. It almost looked like the Eagles were setting up the stadium for their Christmas picture. They got a lot of red and green, and those are the Christmas colors. Like, I've never seen that many opposing fans at an Eagles game. I'm, I'm dead serious about that. 49ers fans showed up and showed out in Philadelphia yesterday. They really did. It was, it was the most impressive stadium takeover it wasn't the most amount of fans you've seen in a stadium Niners fans will take over stadiums down in LA they did a nice job in Jacksonville they, they they'll, they'll take over stadium. they didn't take over the link but boy were they well represented so that was I was really impressed by all that yeah back to no, Brock. No, Brock, I mean, and, and and by the way we were talking about Purdy before all of Purdy's five best games in his career as far as passing yards have come this season and three have occurred in his last four games overall. How about that? That's pretty good. Well, you want some how about that about Brock Purdy, Larry? I'd say I hope you're sitting down, but I see that you are, so let's just go. Brock Purdy's 70.4 completion percentage marks his sixth consecutive game with a completion percentage of 70 or higher, which is the longest streak of games with a completion percentage of 70 or higher by a 49ers quarterback since Joe Montana in 1989. So it's pretty good company to be keeping. It gets even better. Purdy has now registered four games this season with three or more touchdown passes and a passer rating of 140 or higher, which ties former quarterback Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers for the most such games by a quarterback in a single season in NFL history. Okay, so Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have Brock Purdy standing in the same line in terms of did you do this over the course of a season? And Purdy has checked that box and with five more games could play to still play. Who knows how many times he continues to check that box? His five career games with a passer rating of 140 or higher in his first two seasons are the most by an NFL quarterback in their first two seasons in NFL history. Okay, I mean, so 
we're we're talking about a guy. We don't know where it ends, but the start is nothing short of historic and measurable against the best of the best of the best of the best that have ever played in this league or his position. One of the one of the one more time, one more time. Five career games with a passer rating of 140 or higher in his first two seasons are the most by any NFL quarterback over their first two seasons in NFL history. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. For a guy drafted with the last pick in the draft. And I'll say this, all this talk about, well, you know, how does he do? Can he lead a team back? Can he lead a team back in the fourth quarter? Ultimately, what are you saying? When you're asking that question, what are you saying? You're saying that when things are bad and the momentum's not with him, can he lift the team up and play great football and respond? And to me, yesterday was proof of that. The Niners start the game with consecutive three and outs. The place is howling. They're down 6 nothing. People are, I'm sure, sitting there going, Brock Purdy's not rolling in here and doing it. How did he respond? 11-play drive. On the 11-play drive, he completes six of seven and then hits uh, Ayuk in the end zone to get the Niners on the board. Then how does he follow that up? 10-play drive. He goes 90 yards. He completes another four out of five um, before McCaffrey scored a rushing touchdown to close out the first half. So, you know, how does Brock Purdy respond to adversity on the road, tough environment? You just saw it there. An 11-play drive, six of seven, a 10-play drive, four of five, and the Niners go into the locker room up 14-6. Larry, the 49ers offense scored a touchdown on six consecutive possessions, which are the most consecutive touchdowns scored by the team in a single game since 1992, okay? Wow. Scoring six times in a row is rare in, in, in a Big 12 game, much less an NFL game. The six consecutive touchdown drives also the most by any team since the Ravens put six together back in 2019. So you've got to go back several seasons to find any other NFL team who did offensively what the Niners did Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, almost an afterthought in all this was a really good game out of Christian McCaffrey. Again, unless McCaffrey is going like a buck 70 with three touchdowns, he's almost taken for granted at this point. He's like, it's of course, Steph Curry hit five threes. He does that every night. <laughs> That's what Christian McCaffrey's become. Christian McCaffrey, 17 carries, 93 yards, a touchdown on the ground, three catches, 40 yards, <clears throat> three catches, 40 yards through the air. He's got 17 total touchdowns on the season to tie Jerry Rice for the second most by a Niners player ever in a single season. McCaffrey is now over 1,000 yards. He's the first 49er to go over 1,000 yards rushing since Frank Gore in 2014. He's got five games left to play, Larry. He's over 1,000 yards already. Uh, Brandon Ayuk scored. Before you move off McCaffrey, his first touch wasn't until 14-11 of the second quarter. How about that? First time Christian McCaffrey, who some people think is the MVP of the league, touched the game and touched the ball in the biggest game of the year. Wasn't until 14-11 mark of the second quarter. And, I mean, he finished with 93 rushing yards on 17 attempts, 12th rushing touchdown. You just said it. He eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark 
for the fourth time in his career, and he did it in just 12 games. Um, this guy is absolutely special. And once the Niners got CMC rolling, everything else kind of just just fell into place. It was a beautiful thing. Go ahead. Look, there's, there's a lot of guys on this team who could play themselves into the Hall of Fame. McCaffrey's at the head of the class. McCaffrey is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's already done things that he's going. He's going to the Hall of Fame. That's who he is. Um, and and it's just you you set your watch by him just falling forward. This guy plays again. It's it's like he's an accordion. He can get big. He can get small. He can run through a brig hole. He can run through a sliver. He you get him matched up on the wrong linebacker. You're in an awful lot of trouble. And you saw that on the dramatic play that he took the ball way down. I mean, he just cooked. I don't even remember who that was. Um, but the Eagles had a reputation for having slow linebackers and George Kittle took advantage of that yesterday. McCaffrey took advantage of that. And Kyle Shanahan took advantage of that. He, he, his extra days to prepare were clearly well used. You know, they really, really were. Ayuk. I think it was Nicholas Mora, wasn't it? Wasn't it more? Or no, it was Christian. I think it was Christian Ellis. It might've been Christian Ellis. It was either Mora or Ellis. And they got isolated on on uh, McCaffrey, and Purdy just threw a perfect dime, hit him on in stride. It wasn't even a wheel route either, but it sort of ended up no. like one where he just he so, turned just the guy's the, hips around and just went. Just a left flat, you know, got the ISO'd almost like a like a hot route on the linebacker, just sprinting off the line of scrimmage and just ran right by the coverage, and uh, Purdy led him right to the void. And that's the other thing, too. You're starting to see Brock look in such lockstep with these receivers that when he can, when Brock can throw it to a spot and have a reasonable expectation that his receiver is going to be in that spot, how do you defend that? How do you defend a quarterback in lockstep with his receivers where they're throwing to spots and he's throwing, he's releasing the ball before the receiver's even breaking? I mean, it's, it, it puts a ton of pressure on the D. If you got receiver a receiver and a quarterback that locked in, and he's locked in them with like three or four different guys.